everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Although the weather, I think the rest of the way here is going to be kind of crummy. We're going to have rain for the next two or three days, maybe heading into the weekend. I guess it was all going to correct itself after the wonderful weather we had last week. Man, that was spectacular, wasn't it? It was just amazing. From about Wednesday last week on, that cool front came through. Man, we were getting up in the morning to temperatures of around 61, 62 degrees. Got it up to about 80 degrees. I went to the zoo with my son. It was awesome. Uh, We had a great time. And it was just spectacular weather. The only thing I didn't do and I I wish I had done was hit the pool. uh, Because the weather would get up to about 80, 85 right in the afternoon. It was just awesome. And uh, it wasn't super hot. But this week the humidity is back. That feeling that we just love here in Houston, right? That feeling sometimes that you're walking through soup. I woke up this morning and I worked out like I've been doing lately. And, man, it it was a tough workout because, man, it really felt like we were running and working out through soup. I turned to my wife. She was working out with me, and uh, we were like, oh, my God, it's super hot out here today. Dang, what? Man, last week was so great to do this. Man, it, it was it was tough. That humidity is not playing around, and we're going to have some rain, but that's okay. Hopefully by the weekend it's all gone, and, you know, those nice temperatures will be back after some rainy conditions. All right, as I mentioned, this is Episode 75, or did I mention that? I'm not sure if I did. We're kind of rolling here right now. So if I didn't mention it, this is episode 75. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you haven't done so already, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We had three episodes last week, and they're doing pretty well numbers-wise. So I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in on that. Um, I've teased before that we're going to have a video element to this podcast. I've talked about it for months. I'm sure you guys are pretty tired of me talking about it, in fact. And they're like, oh, what is this doofus going to start finally putting some video content out with this podcast? He just talks and talks and talks. I get it. All right. I am aware. I am aware that uh, the pressure is building for that. But I do think I have a solution. I finally figured it out. See, the issue that I've been having is that here at the house, our, our new house out in Katy, uh, it's, a, it's a great house. we got a lot of rooms to work in. But some of them are not very acoustically sound. Right, so if I start talking in that room, the audio and my voice is going to bounce around all over the place. It's just not going to sound very good. Others are acoustically sound, but I don't have the right setup in there. Like my our media room, for example, I have a nice TV, movie posters on each side, but I, I don't really have like a desk that I could sit at. And if I just sit in a chair in the middle of the room recording this, it's going to be really weird. It's like this seems awkward. It's not right. So the other thing is our, our house is, is an open concept. We, we, you, you walk in, it's very open. Everything is open. The family, we have high, high ceilings. Our family room area is very open. And really at night, if, if you hear something, it, you're going to hear it in every single room. That's, that's how it is. We love it because it's, it's so nice. The light comes in. It's, really, it's a really fresh feeling in our house. But it, it's not great to record podcasts because I feel like all the rooms – kind of point towards the center of the house. I don't really have the privacy to record a podcast when it comes to video. I'm recording this right now in our closet, but that's not very visually stunning, is it? If I set up a camera here in our closet and point to my clothing in the background, that's 
That really doesn't do it for anybody. And plus, my wife would probably get upset and like, oh, my God, you're shooting in our closet. What's wrong with you? So I'm not going to do that, right? So I've decided that every Monday, I'm going to have a video element to this podcast. And I'm going to record it in our Great Day Houston studios at the station. Nobody uses that setup right now. And I think by in the afternoon, most of the people using the main studio, I could set up in the kitchen area of our Great Day Houston studios, and I feel like I could record a really good podcast. I'll have a nice background. I already have my graphics already made up. Monday after Texans games, we'll have a lot to discuss. I feel like Mondays every week, I'm going to have a video element. So next Monday, that is going to be my first podcast with video. So not only will you hear the audio, which is great, but I'm going to also post it on YouTube. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page. In fact, I'm, I might schedule a live event for it uh, that I'm going to play it on Facebook. So I'm going to research all that this week, and I think that's what I'm going to do. Because I've, if I record it there, everything's going to be sound, right? I, I've got the microphone. I'll set up my camera. It's going to be really acoustically sound. Got a nice background, as I mentioned. It's going to be good. Instead of recording something that's kind of forced, I don't want to do that. I want the product to look really good. So uh, that's what I'm going to do. So the video aspect of it is going to come next Monday. We will talk Texans and Bills, the aftermath of that, which I don't think is going to go very well for the Texans. We're going to look ahead to the Astros playoff series, hopefully. They haven't clinched anything yet. So the Astros will likely clinch in the next couple of days after this recording. They have a tough week, though. They play the Rays and Oakland, who technically is still alive in the wild card picture. They're not alive anymore for the division. But for the wild card picture, they're still alive. So it's going to be a tough week for the Astros, especially if those two teams come to play. Hopefully the Astros do clinch. And uh, we will talk Astros playoffs next Monday as they will get set to play the uh, Chicago White Sox. Which brings me to my main topic of today's podcast. You know, about a about a month ago, I realized that this was going to be a this is not only a possibility, this was a probability. It was probably going to happen that uh, the Astros, the team that I cover, is going to be playing the White Sox, the team that I've loved since I was a kid. All right, um, and I'm upfront with it, man. I look if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I don't really tweet about the Astros that much. I tweet about the White Sox. And the White Sox have been so dreadfully bad for so long. Their last division title was in 2008. They won the division this year, which was awesome. They clinched it last week in Cleveland. Um, and they've been so dreadfully bad since 2008. They made the playoffs last year as a wild card team in the expanded playoffs, the 60-game season. And they made it again this year. To give you an idea of just how uh, putrid the White Sox organization has been when it comes to playoff success, or playoff appearances, this is the first time ever in the franchise's history, which goes back a long ways. It goes back to 1901, okay? This franchise has been around for 120 years. They have never made the playoffs in back-to-back -back seasons. This is the first time in 120 years that they've made the playoffs in back-to-back -back seasons. And they're going to be good for a long time. They're probably going to make the playoffs the next two or three years. That's the expectation, at least. So I'm really jacked up. I'm excited. Playoffs. The White Sox are back. I mean, 2005 was amazing. Uh, sorry, Astros fans. It wasn't amazing for you, but it was great for me. 
I went to game two that year. Scott Budsednik hitting a walk-off home run. Paul Canerco, grand slam. I mean, those are memories that are etched in my mind. Uh, aside from my kids being born and marrying my beautiful wife, that game two of the World Series is the best moment of my life. That was awesome. I was hugging random people in the crowd. We were chanting and singing on the way out. I mean, it was crazy. It was an awesome experience. And that was the last time the White Sox and the Astros played in the World Series. And even back then, I went to high school here at Cinco Ranch. And uh, I, that's out here in Katy, in case you don't know, Cinco Ranch High School. I went to high school out here. I grew up around a lot of Astros fans. And when the White Sox were good in 05, the Astros get to the NLCS. I'm like, holy cow, this could actually happen. Can you imagine the odds? Not to mention, within our own family, there was a little bit of a, a scenario as well because my grandfather is a huge Cardinals fan. So that year in 05, the Astros and the Cardinals are playing each other in the NLCS. The White Sox clinch a spot in the World Series, and I'm watching this series go down between the Astros and Cardinals. And that's the year that Pujols hits the ball off of Brad Lidge that still hasn't landed, right? So, I, I, funny story when it comes to that. My grandfather's really emotional sometimes when he watches baseball. Uh, and especially back then, right? He's a little older now. He kind of takes things with a grain of salt and all that. But back then, he was all into it, right? The Cardinals getting the World Series. They, uh, they won the World Series the year after in 2006. So, they were really good. They, they were having a solid run there. And... Uh, so the, the Cardinals uh, were playing the Astros, and that game, I was watching it in my uh, fraternity house, and so uh, the Astros were going to win, right? Everybody thought the Astros were going to win. Everybody was excited. They're going to clinch. First World Series, yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows that. So uh, the story goes that Pujols hits the home run. I immediately call my grandfather. I'm like, oh, my God, did you see what just happened? And he tells me he turned off the game. <laughs> he had turned off the game. He was so upset about what was happening that he turned off the game. I said, no, 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 turn it back on, turn it back on. He turns it back on. He couldn't believe what happened. Anyway, we all know what ended up going down. The Astros beat the Cardinals with Royals while in St. Louis, and they go to the World Series. I digress. Let's come back to the present. So about a month ago, I realized that this White Sox team that I love, that I've had a really great time watching this year. It's been really cool just tuning in every night. My son has been watching the games with me. My dad's back into it. We're talking White Sox baseball again because they just have not been worth talking about. From 2008 to 2019, it's been a mess. There was nothing to talk about. We've had guys in and out. It's like the Astros when they were really bad when they bottomed out. Well, that's what the White Sox did. They bottomed out, got a lot of top draft picks. They made some good trades, got got rid of some veteran players, they got a lot of good players in return, and they've built this team now that is going to be good for well, probably the next four, five, six years, you would think, because all their best players are young. So I, I realized that this was probably going to happen, that the White Sox and the Astros are going to play each other, and now everything is magnified, right? In 2005, we didn't have social media. Now, everything's a little bit more magnified. I obviously don't hide the fact that I'm a White Sox fan. Like I mentioned, if you follow me on social, you know I'm a White Sox fan. So, I was dreading this for such a long time. As I, people ask me all the time, it's like, oh, man, this is like the best of both worlds for you, man. It's the team and here in Houston. They're playing the Wine Sox. It's got to be great. No, no, no. It's not great. Because here's the thing. I want the Astros to win because I know so many people that are Astros fans. And plus, I love the city of Houston. Everybody gets charged up. Everybody gets excited. I want them to win, but I don't want them to win right now. In fact, I want them to get swept again. 
to be perfectly honest. I want the White Sox to win three straight, so we only have to play three games, and that is the end of it. I don't think that's going to happen. I just hate the fact that these two teams play each other. I mean, earlier this year when the White <clears throat> excuse me, earlier this year when the White Sox came to town and played at Minute Maid Park, I was so excited, and the Astros kicked their rear ends. It was the worst four-game stretch the White Sox had played all season long. And I, because they won't have home field advantage, most likely, I'm just dreading the Sox coming into Minute Maid Park because I know how well the Astros play here in their home ballpark. And this is the worst possible scenario. I've had my coworkers, everybody saying, hey, are you, you, you got to go to the games. You're excited. I'm not going to the games unless I have to work the games. <laughs> I'm going to sit in front of my TV, and I'm going to be a nervous wreck. Okay, that's, that's what happens when I watch playoff baseball. I'm a wreck. I'm nervous. I wake up. My heart's beating. I'm like, oh, my God, it's game day. I'm thinking about this. Like, that's what goes through my mind. And I know I'm going to be in attendance. If everything plays out the way it does, the ALDS is supposed to start next Thursday. Okay? And... All likelihood that the Astros and White Sox series will be that early game. The two ALDS series start on that Thursday and Friday. I'm guessing those two teams will play early. About 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock start on FS1, most likely. Okay? Uh, I'm not going to be there on Thursday because I'm off. So I'm going to be sitting and watching that game in front of my TV. On Friday, I'm going to have to be there. Because I'm working, I'm covering the game, I'm scheduled to work the night shift and, you know, put all of our coverage together for the night. I, look, I know people are excited about that, but I don't know how I'm going to handle this situation <laughs> when I'm watching this this game in person. I, everything is magnified because of social media and all the trash talk that goes back and forth that I see online. I hate it. I've said it before on this podcast that I think Astros Twitter has become very toxic. Everything around the Astros when they play other teams, other fan bases go after the Astros fans, then they defend each I mean, I think the whole thing has become very toxic. It's not a very fun atmosphere online anymore. And especially for somebody like me who, who, who does appreciate Astros fans because I hate the fact that they've had to go through all this, this cheating stuff because their team cheated in 2017. I hate that. I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that these fans have had to deal with the repercussions that come with that because other fan bases are full of crap, to be honest with you, and they don't let it go. I've always said that the Astros are going to win that year regardless of whether or not they cheated. The cheating didn't help them win the World Series, but the cheating marred that World Series championship forever. It's forever tarnished, no matter what. And that must eat away at Astros fans. It has to. It has to eat away at them. Because every fan base is so proud of a championship that is won, but this one, the first in franchise history, is forever tarnished because of a cheating scandal. That sucks. And so everything that is surrounding the Astros when it comes to other fan bases and play, I just I didn't want to be a part of it with my team. But that's the situation. Having said that, I am still picking the Astros in five games. Because if the Astros have home field advantage, I think that is huge for the Astros. And I think they will win in five games. I don't think the White Sox can win here at Minute Maid Park. I think it does go five because I don't think the Astros can win at Guaranteed Rate Field, which is a stupid name, I know. Comiskey Park, U.S. Cellular Field, I get it. Guaranteed Rate Field, it's a stupid name, but that's what it is. I don't think the Astros can win there. I don't think the White Sox can win here. However, 
if the White Sox are able to pick up one game here, I think the White Sox win in four. Because I don't think the Astros will win on the south side of Chicago. The White Sox are really good at home. They're really, really good. The, the energy is there. It'll be a fired-up crowd, a blackout crowd like it was in 2008. I don't think the Astros can win there. So it's incumbent on the White Sox to win one game here. I think it's going to be a fantastic series. There are inconsistencies with both teams. The Astros' bullpen is not very good. The White Sox pitching staff is inconsistent. The offense is inconsistent. They haven't lived up to the potential. Then again, the Astros have not faced this White Sox team. The one they faced back in June and even in July did not have the White Sox full lineup, which will be on display in the playoffs. I think it's going to be a great series. You know where my heart lies, but the Astros could come away with it. And if that's the case, then baseball season is over for me. Time to move on to football season. All right, we'll start with the Rockets. And Rockets training camp is underway in Galveston down at the San Luis Resort. Uh, we had a camera down there for practice, and uh, it's a young group. They had media day on Monday, and uh, it's a young, excited group. It, it's such a contrast with what we had last year. Such a contrast. Last year, we had superstar players begging to leave. They did not want to be a part of this organization anymore. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, those guys quit on the, uh, on the Rockets and their teammates, the organization that has given them so much love. They basically just flat-out quit on all those guys, and they wanted out. And that was, that was the situation surrounding the first year around Steven Silas. And, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast before. My heart goes out to Steven Silas. Yeah, I know he's getting paid a lot of money. But as a coach, he's walking into a situation where there's supposed to be multiple superstars and the expectation of winning a championship. Instead, he gets a bunch of crybabies who want to leave town to try to look for something that's better for them. It ended up working out for P.J. Tucker, not for James Harden, which was awesome. But uh, so Steven Silas had to deal with all that stuff. So this year at Media Days, it it was very refreshing to see a bunch of guys, even the veterans, like Eric Gordon, or uh, Daniel House, who's back. He's 28 years old, by the way, and one of the oldest guys on this team. David Mwabe, he's 25 years old, one of the oldest members on this team. We saw him kind of show up last year in a couple of games, especially defensively. He was very good before he injured his wrist and the season was over. So it's, it, it's a refreshing group. There's a lot of young talent on this team. As you know, I'm not a fan of NBA basketball. I don't like it. I think the product has been watered down over the last couple of uh, years. Not a whole lot of defense. Uh, but I do appreciate when young guys are excited to play. And uh, I, and that'll be interesting. That'll be a fun, that'll be a fun storyline to watch. Guys like Jalen Green, the second overall pick, Kevin Porter Jr., who said yesterday, and I say yesterday, he said during media days that this organization saved his life, probably. That's a big statement to say. And he was he was very, very profound when it came to what this organization, this Rockets team, means to him. They gave him a chance, and he's he shined last year. A lot is expected out of him. They brought in some uh, defensive players uh, who can really help out too. And I, I think they're going to be a fun group to watch. Uh, last year I was just so not into the Rockets because of all the drama and all the junk that was going on with these guys who were making millions of dollars that want out, they're entitled. I didn't like any of that, so it really turned me off of the Rockets. So this year I'm a little bit more – 
you know, excited to tune in and see what we get from this young group. Jalen Green was awesome. He was having the time of his life. So I, I think they're going to be fun to watch, and, and I think Steven Silas is the right guy for the job uh, because he is not only a great offensive mind, but he's worked with young talent so many times before. He's been around the game his whole life because his dad was, you know, a legendary coach, Paul Silas. Um, I think I think it's a good fit. It's a, it's a good mix of these two, uh, these two things. A, a coach who's who's young, who's able to relate to players, but still has a lot of knowledge of the game, and this young, vibrant upstart group that really doesn't know any better. They're just going to go out there and ball. I think that could be that could be a fun fun team to watch. And could they make like the seventh or eighth seed? I don't know if things go the right way. Maybe it could happen. I'm not trying to put high expectations on them, but you know we've seen some of these young teams come around quicker than we thought, especially in the NBA. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for Steven Silas. I think he is uh, he's got something good on his hands uh, here for sure. But then the other. Thing that I found interesting about Rockets Media Day was the situation surrounding John Wall, veteran point guard, been in the league 12, 13 years. He's seen a lot. He's had a lot of injuries that he's had to deal with. He's making over $30 million this year for the Rockets, and he's not going to play. It's an arrangement that he made with the team, two sides. In fact, the general manager, Rafael Stone, gets up there at the podium with John Wall. Never seen that before. And one of the veteran stars of the team, and they've just perfectly openly talking about the fact he's just not going to play. And it's not in his best interest to play. It's not in the Rockets' best interest for him to play because they want to play some of these younger guys. I don't know, man. Like my colleague Jason Bristol brought up yesterday when we were talking about this, has there ever been a city with two professional teams that featured two high-profile athletes that don't want to play or are not going to play for the team that they're on. Deshaun Watson, right, and John Wall, two guys making over $30 million, okay? Or in Deshaun's case, he's around there. His contract is huge. He doesn't want to play for the Texans. He's out of sight, out of mind, which is good. Don't care about him anymore. And John Wall, who is going to be around in an advisory role, so he's going to work out with the team, he's going to travel with the team, but he's not going to play. He says he's looking out for himself. Uh, this deal is better for him because he, he he wants to watch out the fact that he doesn't want to get hurt. And the Rockets are going to look for a good trade partner to see if they can send him somewhere that he wants to be. He says he doesn't know where he wants to go. Uh, but all the while, he's just going to be on the organization's dime not playing. I find that to be very bizarre. I get why they're doing it. I get why the arrangement was made. But if I'm an owner of the team, if I'm an owner of a team and I'm paying a guy $31 million and he's perfectly healthy, like he said, he's perfectly healthy. He's playing. I don't care. He's playing. Is there a chance that he can get hurt? Yeah, maybe. But he's playing. I want some kind of return on my investment here. And not just in draft capital or players down the line. I, I play. We're gonna play. We got young kids. You can play on the floor. You're healthy. You could show them what it's like in an NBA game, not just sitting on the sidelines coaching. I don't know. That's my perspective. I think he should play, but he doesn't want to play. It's he thinks it's in his. I I shouldn't say that. He wants to play, but he doesn't think this situation is right for him to play on this. Rockets team, how it's currently constructed. I don't get it. 
if I'm Tillman Fertitta, I'm like, all right, I understand you don't want to get hurt, and we won't play you a lot of minutes, but you're going to play. You're going to suit up, and you're going to play. But that's not what's happening, and they're perfectly fine with that. Both sides are totally okay, and they're going to try to work out a trade deal, and I, I don't get it. But the Rockets are in Galveston with training camp, preseason games starting soon, and their first game is at close to about the end of October they go to Minnesota. So we'll see what those young guys have to offer. Next thing to talk about are the Texans. They are having an extended week after playing on Thursday night. That was a dud of a football game, wasn't it? Just awful. First half was okay. No creativity on offense. Defense kind of got eaten up in the second half. Carolina seems to be pretty good. That defense can fly around a little bit. We knew that coming in. They had shown some signs in the first two weeks. They had stopped Jameis Winston in that New Orleans Saints offense. So the Texans knew that the Panthers were going to be pretty good. But uh, that was just a, it was a dud football game. That was the first time all year where you're like, oh, man, this is rough. This stinks. And it, it's unfortunate that we don't have Tyrod Taylor out there. We have Davis Mills. He's learning on the job. But uh, next up is an even harder game. They have to go on the road to upstate New York and play the Buffalo Bills, who, um, after kind of a slow start, seem to be figuring some things out, especially Josh Allen. He looked fantastic against Washington. Uh, that defense is going to definitely be tested in that offense. I mean, we talked about it on Sports Extra. It has to get creative. They have to run the ball a little bit better. I know the guys understand this. David Culley says it was about schemes, but also David Culley acknowledged the fact that they didn't get as creative because they tried to protect Davis Mills, when in reality, he also said and acknowledged that Davis Mills is ready for more. You know, Davis made some nice throws. But uh, they got to open up the offense a little bit. They got to get a little bit more creative with it. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been fantastic so far, one of the top five receivers in the league through three games. Uh, I I think the Texas is going to get blown out for sure. Uh, but um, I think I think it it, it it's a t- it's a tough test. David, one thing about David Culley's team, man. Even if they if it's a lopsided game, one thing about his team is they're going to fight. They're going to compete. That's what we've seen so far. Uh, whether or not they make the right play calls or the guys execute those plays, that's to be uh, that's to be uh, left answered. Those questions left to be answered. But I think they are going to fight and they're going to play hard. And I think they will start that way. At least we'll see how the game goes. If you know Davis Mills has to protect the football because if he starts turning it over on the road in that atmosphere in Buffalo, it can get ugly pretty quickly. But one thing I did want to touch on with the Texans, uh, safety Justin Reed has had a nice start to the season. It is a free agency year for him, a contract year, as they say. So he, uh, if he doesn't stay with the Texans, I know those talks I've heard uh, through several people, they have not uh, they have not come to fruition yet. So we'll see if they, uh, they do negotiate something. I love Justin. Justin's a great player. He's a good guy. He does a lot for the community. And uh, today I actually talked with him. Uh, well, this week. I should say this week. I say today. I don't want to date myself with a podcast. But I guess it's only natural. Hopefully you guys listen to this today. Uh, so, yeah, Tuesday I talked to him about uh, his approach to nutrition and staying healthy and all that. I thought it was just kind of fascinating to hear from a guy, NFL guy, who's been in the league now. This is his fifth year? Going, fifth year, I believe. And he's been pretty successful uh, with it. He has he combined with... Um, uh, a group here in town, a, a chef. Let me let me look it up. His exact name. He's a very talented dude. I was over at his house 
we uh let me see here we go uh justin reed he, we were over at his house because he was uh he was showing off his this new conjunction and this new combination that he has with silver whiskey silver whiskey elite is the company that um uh, they have started. It's Justin and Jake, uh, Jake Gober, uh, executive chef and owner of Silver Whisk and Silver Whisk Elite, not whiskey, Silver Whisk Elite, excuse me. Uh, so basically what he does is uh, he's a chef and he comes up with meal plans for athletes. And so he and Justin combined to form this company. And so, so far, so good. It's going well for them. And I just want to let you hear Justin talk about nutrition from an athlete's perspective. And uh, here's what he had to say. It was pretty interesting because it, it goes so much into, you know, these guys lay it all out on the line every single week. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes for them to get their bodies ready for this. So here's Justin Reed, Texas Safety, talking about nutrition and this conjunction that he had, this combination and this partnership that he has with Silver Whisk Elite. It's really beautiful because it happens so organically. I mean, I hired them through recommendation from teammates of mine prior to that I use them and I always see their Instagram accounts, social media accounts, and I was like, man, their food looks so good. Went and talked to them and I actually got to try some of it out and I fell in love with it. And at that point, they actually ended up working with me. Um, we had built a friendship through the years and then we had the idea, it was like, well, you know, it was really difficult for so many different, just speaking from the athletic sphere, for different athletes is, when you move from one city to another, you got to like start the process all over again of finding your new quote unquote team. You know what I mean? Maybe you're a local publicist, um, your dietitian, a chef, you know what I mean? The house, all that. Um, so we thought, man, it would be so cool and easy and smooth if that was already there for you. Whatever city you go to, um, there's already going to be a qualified uh, professional chef that's going to know your likes, dislikes, um, tastes and this, that and other. And that's kind of how the, the baby was born with Silver Elite and how me and Jake uh, went into partnership to build it. I tease people all the time my social media accounts, posting all the stuff that Jake does for me. And uh, his lovely wife too, Mirna, sometimes she comes in and does some awesome desserts. Um, but I get DMs all the time, people asking where I get, uh, where, where the food is coming from, um, how healthy the food is, and also the results. Uh, as far as, because Jake sometimes when I have injuries will put special ingredients like collagen and turmeric and things like that to help me with my recovery. Um, so it really helped me hit my body comp goals coming into the season. And I'm feeling good, I've been moving good. Uh, guys are receptive to seeing that and that kind of acts kind of what's my secret. So I tell them about the recovery I do and I also tell them about the type of food that I eat and, and how that all works together. I say there are three things that are crucial to every athlete, really is really it's to everybody, you know what I mean? But especially um, athletes when it comes to performance is sleep, hydration, and nutrition. You know what I mean? Those are the top three things that come before anything else. And guys sometimes will get two out of the three, you know what I mean? You might go to, you know, Wingstop or somewhere, which isn't, which isn't a terrible thing to do every once in a while, but you get in what you put out, you know what I mean? You're not gonna put um, 87 fuel in a Lamborghini, right? You're gonna put the top-notch fuel in it to get the top-notch performance. So that's kind of the same mentality that I have about the food that I put in my body. That was Texan Safety Justin Reed. Good luck to him, good luck to Jake Gober and Silver Whisk Elite, that company that they both have. It's fantastic. Um, and the Texans take on the Buffalo Bills this weekend in what should be a uh, interesting game. We'll see what the Texans have to offer in that one. But for now, I'm done here on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this uh, 
this episode. I will be back later on in the week with some more content. Maybe talk about some more Astros uh, baseball and maybe discuss what that roster is going to look like heading into the postseason if they do, in fact, clinch. So that is all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, see you later.